Let's take our Bibles this morning and uh, go ahead and put a marker in Exodus 13. You thought I was going to say Hebrews 11, didn't you? I am. We're going to go to Hebrews 11 too, but uh, go ahead and put a marker in Exodus 13 because we will get there in just a little while. Hebrews 11. Of course, we've read verses 1 through 3 every week. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. <clears throat> Hebrews 11 tells us that we're supposed to live by faith. In fact, verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please him. Thought about that this week, preacher. How, much of us, how many of us during this week have done anything that pleased God? Because if it wasn't connected to faith, It didn't please him. I'm talking about anything we do. He said, without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's why Hebrews 11 is in your Bible. And uh, we've looked at Romans 117, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We've looked at all kinds of different Bible characters, and we spent four weeks on Moses uh, looking at different things about him. These are what we call heroes of the faith. And I think sometimes we, we hear that term, and I think it's a good term. We think that these are super saints. They're not. We've seen some of these that they face the same kind of challenges we do. They have the same doubts we do. But yet God gave them faith, and they, they, they responded to that, and they, they lived a life that made a difference for God. This week we're going to get to verse number 29 of Hebrews 11. We'll, um, we'll go back to verse number 28, just to kind of get the context. Through faith, he, talk about Moses, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, <clears throat> lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as a dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. This, of course, is talking about the crossing of the Red Sea. Uh, We've seen these, these lessons of faith from individuals, and now we're looking at a group of people, uh, the children of Israel. And when we look at this, and of course I talked about it last week, it was during the life of Moses that the children of Israel went from being a family to a nation. You know, it started off with Joseph in Egypt, sold in, into slavery, God orchestrated that so that he could be there to provide the food for his family to protect the promise God had made to Abraham, amen? And so we see that, that now God is working, and, and, and when they left, as we talked about last week, they left at the Passover time, that's the first time the children of Israel did something as a nation. So God's transforming them. And and. When we read this story, we normally just think about the parting of the Red Sea. It says, and they, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. I like the, the, the old black preacher that was on the radio. And uh, he, he, he preached every week on the radio. And just before he got on to preach, there was a, uh, uh, a guy that got on before him and said that, that uh, you know, the, the miracles of the Bible, they weren't really miracles at all. They could all be explained away and that the children of Israel did not march through the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea, a body of water only ankle deep, and they just marched through that. He said, I got to thinking about that. And he said, now, I heard what he said. He said, now, how the children of Israel, he says, went through the Reed Sea, not the Red Sea. 
He said, and I got to thinking. He said, now I'm a Bible believer. I believe that God took them to the Red Sea and he parted the waters like a wall on either side and they marched through on dry ground. He said, but it had occurred to me that if it was the Red Sea, it's just a great a miracle because God drowned all of Pharaoh's army in ankle deep water. So, <laughs> bad. But it was the Red Sea, amen? We picture this. We picture the lightning flashing and the wind blowing. And I was thinking about this the other night when we had the, the children's program. You were flashing the lights. I preached on Jonah uh, one time under a tent. And we had dug a pit. Uh, it was about two feet deep. It was 10 feet long by 15 feet wide. We lined it with plastic, filled it with water, and built a whale out of PVC pipe and, and black plastic. And we put the whale in the water. And I preached from a rowboat. And uh, we had Jonah, and we threw him into the, into the sea, and uh, he went in the whale. It was awesome. And, uh, and we had fans that we were shooting water through. I'm not sure how smart that was, but we were doing that, and we had lights going. I was thinking about that the other night. Like, man, there's this some fun stuff you can do, amen? But we got that picture of, you know, the Red Sea, and we got a picture of, you know, Charleston Heston holding the rod up. You know, that's what came through your mind, right? The Ten Commandments movie, and, and uh, we, we you know, see him with the beard, the robe, and all that. When we look at the scriptures, we see some amazing things. Go back to Exodus now, and keep your place there in, in Hebrews. But in Exodus chapter number 13, and we, we pick up on this story. In chapter 12, he says in verse 51, And it came to pass the selfsame day, this is the day of the Passover, that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. In chapter 13, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, sanctify, uh, sanctify unto me all the firstborn, and whatsoever openeth the wound among the, the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. Isn't this interesting? He took the firstborn of, of Egypt. Now he tells the children of Israel, sanctify the firstborn to me, because that one's mine. Well, what a difference. Satan always will cause destruction where God calls, causes a separation unto him. I wish I had time to spend on that, but just think on that one this week. Now jump down to verse number 17. It came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth, and it camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them, uh, to lead them the way, and by night by a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. And he took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, and from before the people. So you see, he's leading them. Verse number 1 of chapter 14, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp <coughs> before... Um, man, I practiced this one too. Uh, I'm not even going to try it. Um, you know, Warren, and between Roseville, and you know, just, you pronounce those names. I'll sit there and listen to Alexander Scorby. And I'll get all the names down. 
and then I'll read it and Bill and Bob and Fred. But anyway, notice the last part of the verse. Before it, ye shall encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now look at this. They didn't get to the Red Sea by accident. We're going to talk about that in detail. God said, I put them there, and I put them in a position where they had nowhere to go. And then I'm going to deal with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is coming after them. Over and over again, God said he hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Why? The verse tells us that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. It was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? Done what? They let them go with their wealth. They left with the gold and all this stuff. You know, slaves don't have gold and silver and precious raiment and all that. Uh, they took that from them. Uh, that we may have let Israel go from serving us. And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all, all the chariots of Egypt and the captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand, but the Egyptians pursued a- after them. And all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea. And I'm going to skip those names again. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were so afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord and said unto Moses, Because there are no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us? to carry us forth out of Egypt. Is not this the word which we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever." The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, notice this, that they go forward. Well, there's no way to go forward, but God said, I want you to. Uh, Look at verse number uh, 16. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow after them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his hosts, and upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord." When I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of the Lord which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. What an amazing, amazing passage here. Several things I want us to see is God had led them out of Egypt. Now we're getting to this part of them going through the Red Sea. And I entitled this, Lessons of Faith from the Children of Israel, Faith That Will Pass Through. It says they passed through the Red Sea. Number one, they had faith enough to leave Egypt. We saw in our last study that they kept the Passover, verse number 28 of Hebrews 11. We talked about how that that the Passover had affected the children of Israel and it had affected Egypt. Neither would ever be the same. 
By the children of Israel, they had left Egypt. They had started what was called the Passover, a, 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 a feast that they hold until this day. They do a little differently today because uh, they're not killing any lambs. But a Jewish family will still recognize Passover. Egypt, they never were the same. Why? Because the firstborn, as we read last week in, in, in Exodus 12 and verses 29 and 30, came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn of the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Can you imagine what it sounded like in Egypt that night? But there's a little spot that had God's blessing. They did not know what God was going to do with them. I'm talking about the children of Israel. They did not know what God was going to do with them in the future. They did not know how God was going to lead them. They didn't know what the promised land was going to look like, yet they had enough faith to leave Egypt. Boy, what a picture of salvation. We had no idea when we got saved what all God was going to do for us. Uh, I have a study of, uh, I think it's, 39 things that happened when you got saved. Aren't you glad you didn't have to know all the doctrines of justification and sanctification and, and, and all that? Well, you didn't have to know that to get saved. Just as a child, you accepted the gift of eternal life by faith. Hallelujah for that. You didn't know what God was going to do. You didn't know all about the Christian life. It's a good thing we didn't, amen? You didn't know how the Holy Spirit was going to indwell you. You didn't know how he was going to help you. You did not know that you would face trials along the way. You just had enough faith spiritually to leave Egypt and come to Christ. You had enough faith to get saved. Sometimes we, I think as believers, we beat ourselves up. on, Well, you know, I'm really weak in my faith. But you had enough faith to get saved. Hallelujah for that. Aren't you glad it didn't take much? Second thing I see, look back at verse 17 of, of Exodus 13. This is where it gets really specific. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, let's preventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led them about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. They had enough faith to leave Egypt. But number two, God led them in a specific way. It's interesting. God didn't say to them, now leave Egypt. I want you to go to the promised land. I'll talk to you when you get there. Not at all. He had a map for them. He had a specific route. Anybody here use a GPS? I remember my early days in evangelism, before the GPSs were available, I had map books. Remember maps? Most people don't even know how to read those. And uh, I had map books. And then I remember when you could get one of these mapping programs on a CD. I would have my laptop on the, the front seat of my car with that little thing plugged in. And I'm, I'm following. I remember one time it took me through West Virginia, up through the hollers. I thought I would never get back out. Amen. But, uh, but you, you plug in your GPS and you'll go the same place every day, but it'll reroute you. Why? Because there's a, an accident. There's a road closure that you don't know about. That's exactly what God did for, for the children of Israel. They knew they were going to the promised land, but God didn't take them the way they would have taken them. He didn't give them the map that AAA would have given them. 
Why? He had a specific way laid out for them. He knows again in verse number 17 that God led them not through the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Why? For God said, lest preventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. You see, Israel, when they left Egypt, was not ready to face the Philistines. They were going to. But they weren't ready for that yet. You wonder why sometimes God detours you? It's because there's something in front of you you're not ready for yet. You're not spiritually mature in an area that, to face that. And if you did, you'd probably turn back. We get to heaven, I think we're going to be shocked to find out what God kept us from. Sometimes God leads in a certain way because we're not ready for what God has for us in the future. We saw that life of Moses. At 40, he knew he was to lead Israel. And he thought he was ready. God said, no, 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 you've got to take a detour over here as a shepherd for 40 years out in the middle of the desert, the wilderness. Because I'm going to teach you to not be a, an Egyptian, but to be a shepherd of my people. If God seems to detour you, praise him for that. He is preparing you for what he's prepared for you. Here's a thought. For God, or to God, the journey is as important as the destination. Now, when you and I got saved, it was determined at that moment, we're going to spend eternity with him. That time between our salvation and the time we face him is God getting us ready to know how to live with him. The children of Israel had to go through all those things in the wilderness, this first journey, and then the 40 years later because of their rebellion at Kadesh Barnea. He did that to teach the people to trust him. It's just as important what you become as where you arrive. I've worded it this way. Often as believers, we're more concerned about where we should live than how we should live. If we learn to live correctly in our relationship with God, it really does not matter our location. Because that's temporary. We're all leaving here anyway. We're pilgrims. Amen. We're just passing through. Uh, did you notice in verse number 19 that Moses kept the promise to, to, to Joseph? And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones away hence with you. They had enough faith to leave Egypt that God led them in a specific way. Has God detoured you? God's a master at that. You just trust him. The children of Israel, they had enough faith to leave Egypt and then they followed him in the specific way. By the way, did you notice in verse number 21 of chapter 13, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and led them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day night. The children of Israel did not know what was on the other side of the cloud. They just followed the cloud. They didn't need to know what was on the other side of the cloud. Because the cloud was his presence. That's all that mattered. He was teaching them to follow him. So he led them in a specific way. And that's that whole learning to go from faith to faith. 
They had enough faith to leave Egypt. Now they end up at the Red Sea, and it looks like they had made a big mistake. Verse number 10 shows us in chapter 14 that they get there, and, and the Pharaoh drew nigh, and, and, and they, were, they were fenced in, if you will. They had the Red Sea in front of them, mountains on either side, and the arm of Pharaoh coming up behind them. They were in a difficult situation. The third thing is they faced difficulties. They were going to have to have faith in God again. You know, sometimes I think we as preachers do Christians a a disservice. You know, we'll be preaching, you know, come to Jesus. He's the answer to your every dilemma. Come. Yeah, go ahead and come. Go ahead and kneel at that altar and get saved. Then watch Satan start picking on you. He didn't have to when you were his. He already had you. When you got saved, now you became his enemy. Go ahead and walk the aisle. Surrender to the will of God for your life. Give up certain things in your life that you know are keeping you from God or sin in your life God deals with you about and you forsake it. Yeah, go ahead. That'll be the week your your washing machine tears up. Can I get a witness? Why is that? He's trying to sidetrack you. The Christian life, we're not promised that it's going to be easy. Their faith at the Passover got them to leave Egypt. But it wasn't going to do for the Red Sea. They must have new faith in God. You and I are not guaranteed a life without difficulty and problems. But we are guaranteed that our God is with us in every step of the way. I don't know how people that aren't saved deal with life. Can you imagine facing what you face without the help of God? No, thank you. Look at verse 10. And the Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lift up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. They had enough faith to leave Egypt. God led them in a specific way. They had faced difficulties. And they were afraid. We often face situations in our Christian life that in our flesh makes us afraid. It's interesting. Almost every time you see the angel of the Lord appear, he says, fear not. How many times did Jesus say to the disciples, be not afraid? You say, why did he say that? Because they were always afraid. <laughs> Amen. A brother mentioned this in his prayer, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. How soon we forget how God saved us. You think about this. Children of Israel are at the Red Sea. Pharaoh's coming. And they say to Moses, why'd you bring us out here? Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt? Did they forget about the ten plagues? Did they forget what God did to the Egyptians? Did they forget about the sound in Egypt that night when the firstborn died? God was in control. But how soon we forget. We forget how he's delivered us out of the hand and the snare of the devil. How soon we forget the times that God delivers again. I want you to go quickly in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Keep your place in in Exodus. We'll come back to it. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is Paul at the end of his life. He's about to go to heaven. And beginning of verse number 9, he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, 
and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for, for the ministry. And Tychus have I sent to Ephesus. And the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. So he's talking about all these people that have left him. He mentions specifically Demas. First time Demas is mentioned, I believe it's in the book of Philippians, he was Paul's fellow laborer. He worked with Paul just like Luke did and, and, and like Silas did. And, but now he's the forsaker. You kind of hear that heartbreak in Paul's voice where everybody's left him. He says in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. That word evil means to do wrong with the intent to harm. This coppersmith wanted to harm Paul. The Lord reward him according to his works. I don't want Paul praying that about me. Of whom be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Notice verse 16. At my first answer, no man stood with me. But all men forsook me. You realize he's writing this from a jail cell. It almost sounds like he's having a pity party. Like everybody's left. Only Luke's here. Then he says, I pray God that I may not be laid to their charge. But look at verse 17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that the Gentiles might hear, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. For the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He starts off griping and complaining. Everybody left him. And then he starts thinking about God had never left him. He started shouting by the time it was over. Amen. Aren't you glad God's that way? When it looks difficult, looks like everybody has left you, what are you supposed to do? Take time to recount all the times that God has delivered you. What was the problem with the children of Israel at the Red Sea? They forgot about what God did in Egypt. As believers, sometimes I think we forget about the pit God saved us from. By the way, that's why we sing spiritual songs. We sing songs that talk about what God did to us. Amen? Wish I had time to go on that. We've got to move quickly. Those are those spiritual songs mentioned in Ephesians 5. Go back to Exodus 14. Moses told in verse number 13 and 14, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, for he will show you today... Uh, that, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Verse 29 back in Hebrews 11 says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea. They had had enough faith to leave Egypt. God had led them in a specific way to avoid certain things they weren't yet ready for. They faced difficulties and they had fear but they trusted God to make a way. Moses said, just stand still, watch what God can do. Moses raises up his hands, raises up the rod, and God did part the water like a wall on either side. They did march through on dry ground. Um, from different things I've studied, many people believe that, that had, you know, to get a million and a half Jews, which they expected that they had, that that had to be several miles wide, that opening. And it took them all night to cross. That's a bunch of people. 
And, and God did what only He could do. He parted the waters. It says in Hebrews 11, by faith they passed through the Red Sea. He made it possible for them to pass through the very problem that they had feared. I don't know what you're facing today, but God can part that. And by faith, just go through. Somebody came to Lester Olaf one time and said, Preacher, pray for me. I'm going through great difficulties. He said, praise the Lord. He said, did you hear what I just said? I said, I'm going through great difficulties. He said, I heard you. He said, you were going through it. Praise God, you didn't stop. You know what that is? That's faith. Jesus, you know, with the disciples in a boat, and he falls asleep, and they're worried. You know, he said, let us go over to the other side. They, they thought the ship was going to sink. They, they were shaking. Master, cares them not that we perish. And he said, wherefore didst thou doubt? If, if he says to go over, you're not going to go under. What is it you're facing today that you don't think there's a way out? God's a master at parting that. He's still in the water parting business. And Hebrews eleven twenty nine 29 says, By faith they passed through the, the Red Sea as a, a dry ground, or as by dry ground, which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned. We know the story. Children of Israel go through. The Pharaoh and his army says, We'll do it too. God waited until they got there and he closed the water back up. And they never saw that enemy ever again. God eliminated their enemy. What a beautiful picture of salvation. When you and I got saved, it's that Red Sea experience. We never go back to the other side. Amen? We're saved. We're saved forever. We'll never face the penalty of our sin again. Now, quickly, I've been wanting to get to this point. This is the main point I wanted to get to. We don't have a lot of time. Look at Hebrews um, eleven twenty nine 29 again. And I'm going to read several scriptures for you very quickly. It says, by faith. They passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, are saying to do, were drowned. What was life to them became death to the army of Egypt. And here's the point. Israel would forever look back to this event. We're going to look at that in the scriptures quickly. God took the way that he led them to a place where they could do nothing but trust him by faith. And that became not just a way, but became a way mark for Israel. It's interesting. Let me read several for you. It became uh, the major point of reference and proof of God's hand upon Israel. In Deuteronomy 11, verse 1 through, uh, let's see, through verse number 4. He says, Therefore shalt thou love the Lord thy God, and keep his charge, and his statutes, and his judgments, and his commandments alway. Know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known, which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, his miracles and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of, uh, of Egypt, and unto all his land which he did unto the army of Egypt, into their horses and their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as, as, as they per, pursued after you and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day. It became the, the reminder to the next generation. Deuteronomy is the second giving the law, 40 years after they had originally got to the promised land and refused to go over. When they were getting ready to go, he said, remember what God did at the Red Sea. 
Uh, you find later, uh, it was the testimony of Rahab in Joshua chapter 2 as they, in Joshua's day, marched into the, to, to the promised land. They, they sent the spies to, to look at Jericho and they came to Rahab's house in verse 9 of, of Joshua 2. And she said unto the men, know ye that the Lord hath, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Notice verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites, which were the other side, Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is, the God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. When they got to Rahab's house, she said, we heard what God did at the Red Sea. That was 40 years before. Children of Israel, they got to Kadesh Barnea said, we can't go. The 10 spies said, we're not able. God had already put fear in the heart of the people of Canaan. How did he do that? By the Red Sea. Uh, it was the reminder when Joshua became leader in Joshua 4.21. He spake unto the children of Israel saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? You shall, gather, uh, you shall let your children know, uh, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan before you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you might fear the Lord your God forever. So in Joshua, when they crossed the, Red sea, or the, the Jordan River and they made the, 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 the pillar of stones out of the middle of the, from the middle of the Jordan, it was a reminder. God parted this, but he parted the Red Sea too. God keeps referring to it. Uh, it, it later, at the end of Joshua's life, Joshua 24, 6, And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came unto the sea. The Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen into the Red Sea. What was God doing? He said, remember when? Joshua's getting ready to leave the scene. Remember what I did back at the Red Sea? Uh, it's mentioned uh, when Jephthah reminded the king of Ammon in Judges eleven sixteen. But the Lord, uh, but when Israel came out of Egypt and walked through the wilderness into the Red Sea and came to Kadesh, he reminds them. Remember what God did there? Uh, in Nehemiah's day, Nehemiah 9, 9. And did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. It's interesting. Three times in the book of Psalms, David mentions the Red Sea. In Psalm 106, Psalm 136, and Psalm 136, a little bit later in the chapter. There was a reminder for God to pray, for the children of God to praise God for his deliverance. It was a way mark. In Acts chapter 7, when Stephen stood up to preach, what did he do? He mentions there that he had shown his wonders and signs in the land of Egypt, in the, la in the Red Sea, and in the wilderness 40 years. What's the point? Over and over again, God had the people of Israel look back to this event, the Red Sea. It was the way mark. Spiritually speaking, what has God done in your life that changed everything? I'm not talking about your salvation. I mean, since then, what is it you keep referring back to? That when God did this, it changed everything for me and my family. What is it that you can't get over that God's done in your life? You ought to have some way marks in your Christian life that your family should know about. You know how they'll know about it? You'll talk about it. Lessons from the children of Israel, it's a faith. 
that will pass through. Two questions. Are you following his way? Are you trying to find a shortcut? Remember the way the Philistines was shorter. It was near, but it wasn't the right way. Are you following his way? And second of all, do you have any way marks? Do you have anything in your faith life you can point back to and say, that's when God showed up in a great way? Children of Israel teach us by their faith to follow his way and have some way marks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this wonderful book. Thank you for how it shows us to live our life of faith. I pray you would help us now as believers to have some way marks. May we follow your way. May we take note of what you do, and may we never stop talking about your goodness and your deliverance. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.